So grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, today we get an insight into the devil's own playbook. How is it that he comes? How is it that he tempts us? Well, he shows us the three main ways in that very same way he tempted our Lord and Savior. The first thing perhaps we need to be aware of is that we simply should not listen to him at all. The first temptation of Jesus, it seems very simple. It it maybe doesn't even seem like it's that big of a deal, does it? Our Lord and Savior, in obedience to his Father, has undergone 40 days of fasting. Now, may for many of us here, we haven't even missed a meal. Or you've missed one meal, and so you kind of know what it is to be hungry. Perhaps for some of you, even you participated in a three-day fast in order to to honor the Lord, in order to pray for a a loved one undergoing a a major surgery, perhaps you put it upon yourself that you would fast for three days. And so you kind of know what it is to be really hungry. And occasionally maybe I run into one or two people that have even did like a five-day fast, but that seems a a lot more rare in, in our society especially. But if you missed a meal, if you fasted for three days, you kind of can get an inkling of what Jesus is going through. It's been 40 days without food. And the Bible tells us, as we know, know, Jesus is a true man. He experiences everything just as we do. And so having gone without food for 40 days, you know, he's lost weight, right? He doesn't have good nutrition. He's hungry. He's kind of struggling, perhaps. And then Satan comes to him and says, hey, do this simple thing. Just make a loaf of bread. We know from the Gospel of John, you know, through Jesus, all things were made. There's nothing that has been made that was not made without Jesus. Right, God spoke the commands, Jesus made it. It'd be very easy for Jesus to just look at a stone and say, hey, you know, I need some bread. He just picked the stone up off the ground and as it's traveling towards his mouth, it becomes bread and he takes a, a nice bite and he has some food. He's hungry. He has the power to do it. Right? Why not just listen? And dear friends, that is really where Satan comes to each of us every single day, isn't it? He comes as that voice that says, you know, just take that tiny little shortcut. He comes to us with with that voice in our just private lives. It's just a little thing. It's just a tiny thing. Just make some bread. It'll be fine. But our Lord and Savior, he responds and he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes 
from the mouth of God. What he is saying essentially is, I'm just not going to listen to you, even though you give me a seemingly innocent suggestion. For the seemingly innocent suggestions coming from Satan himself lead to much greater consequences, don't they? We've seen them, yes, in our own personal lives. To compromise just that little tiny bit. To compromise that, that word of God in just this one small area. To not walk the walk that we have been given, but rather to maybe just kind of take a rest, you know? The Lord puts it upon your heart that there, there's someone in need of a visit from you, someone that, that you could go and you could just bake some cookies and you could bring them to that person. But, you know, that voice comes and says, oh, and you're kind of tired, aren't you? Yeah, maybe best to, to stay home today. You know, you know things are, are pretty tough. I, you know, that, that extra five bucks you'd buy on cookie batter, you could put that to some better use, right? Just put it in the offering plate at the church. You don't need to make cookies for that person today. See? A seemingly small, insignificant, a little trivial thing, but Satan comes to us in our private life and he suggests things. Make a loaf of bread out of that rock, it'll be fine. Feed yourself. You're hungry. You need it. You deserve it. Take a vacation. It'll be good. <coughs> That's how it comes, isn't it? Those little tiny things in our personal lives. Well, the second way that Satan comes to us is really in the big areas, isn't it? He takes our Lord and Savior up to the top of the temple. Jesus has not yet begun his ministry. And Satan suggests to him, you know what? If you would just jump off the top of the temple, I'm sure you'd just kind of go floating down. Or even if you fell fast, the angels would be there to catch you, you know. You would land, you wouldn't even twist your ankle, and all the people standing around, oh my, what would they think? What a show that would be. And of course, you remember the temple in ancient Israel, right? It was a tall and massive structure. And there at the peak of the day, there's lots of people standing around in the courtyard. And then to see, you know, some small little figure jumping off the roof, floating, sailing down, landing before you unharmed. What a show. Why, Jesus could kick off his ministry and be like the Super Bowl, wouldn't it? Man, that would be so awesome to see. Satan comes and he tempts us. Go be awesome, go be amazing, make a splash, make a big scene. It will put you out front. And Jesus looks at the devil and he says, you know what? You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't test him. You know, sometimes in our, our day and age, you know, certainly we, we encourage young people especially, you know, to, to go out and prove 
God, right? Maybe you've heard it in, in those terms. You know, if there, there's something important in your life, you know, go and, and give it to God. Go and, you know, prove God. But there, there's kind of a, a distinction between that and what we're talking about today, isn't there? Because Jesus is talking about putting God to the test. And yet in our current society, we see people do that all the time, don't we? We're talking about maybe some small things like, hey, you know, go, go buy that $80,000 car. You know, even though you can't really afford it, even though you're only making like, you know, thirty-five, $40,000 a year, go buy that $80,000 car. God will take care of it. Sometimes we hear that from some secular Christian media even, don't we? Yeah, God will give. God will help you. God will sustain you. Just kind of go and do it. And, and so that fellow, that gal, you know, goes and buys that $80,000 car. And now they, they can't quite make the payments. Right now they can't quite put food on the table because they have to make the car payment and they kind of forgot about the insurance payment that would come along with that, you know, $80,000 car and they're scratching their head and saying, where is God? Why isn't he keeping his promise? Why, why isn't he helping me? Well, it's because you put him to the test, right? You're testing him. And dear friends, that's never where we want to be either, is it? Plus the second temptation. You know, do this big thing. Do it in the public arena. And so we've kind of covered the, the scale, haven't we? Satan comes and he tests us on our own, by ourselves, apart from everyone, with just a small little make the concession. And he tests us out, out in public, out in the world, make a big splash, you know, show God, prove that God is real. And once again, people, they fail in those areas, don't they? It comes apart. Their faith is injured. It's all because they didn't follow the Lord's way. They didn't follow God's commands. Instead, they put God to the test. Well, the third way in which each of us are, are tempted, uh, of, of course, is that we would bow to the devil. That we would make a, a concession to him, that, that we would begin to, to worship him in, in a sense, maybe just once. You know, maybe we just follow him that one time. We saw it in the story of Adam and Eve, of course, didn't we? Right, go ahead and take that apple. You know, you can just taste that apple and oh, the apple looks so good. And you just have to do it this once and you're going to know the difference between good and evil. You're going to be more like God. Come on, just have a taste. And we see it in our Lord and Savior as well. When, you know, Satan shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And Satan says, you know what? If you just bow down and worship me, I will give over all the kingdoms. I'll give them to you. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die a terrible death. All you have to do is something very simple. Your knee touches the ground and poof. 
All the kingdoms are yours. Maybe for you and I, the temptation isn't as grand. Maybe it's not exactly the same, but it really is the same idea, isn't it? You know, the, the peer pressure that sometimes our young people experience, you know, go ahead and, and have that, you know, that drink of alcohol. Go ahead and, and, and go to that party where no parents are going to be around. Right? Uh, go ahead and go with your friends and do a little shoplifting at Walmart because it, it'll all be okay. Right? And what, what are the arguments that people present? Oh, they have insurance, Right? Their insurance will take care of it. It's no big deal. Come on. Right? Just, just kind of go with the flow. See? It'll be fine. And Satan comes with those very same arguments all the time. Our Lord and Savior, he responds. And, and he says, you know what? We should worship the Lord our God and serve him only. Only God. Serve him only. Well, then at that point, we're told that, you know, Satan departed from Jesus. The angels came and they ministered to him. Right. Jesus was able to get his bread. He was able to get something to drink. The angels themselves, they came and they served this side. Dear friends, you know, our Lord, he also tells us he loves us so very much. He knows everything that we need. Right, the, the Bible says if God can notice the little bird hopping upon the ground, how much more does he notice us? If he can clothe the lilies of the field with beautiful flowers, how much more will he clothe us? He knows that we need food and that we need clothing and we need shelter. He longs to be able to take care of us. He wants to provide for us. But he wants even more that we would Follow him. Who would be his children? Who would listen to his commands? Even if it's just a small command that he's given that only you know about. Even if he simply has asked you to go for a time without food in private and allow him to tend to your needs. He also expects us to follow in the major things in the, the public eye when we're out there in the world that we would not put him to the test, but rather that we would be able to respond as Jesus did. No, I'm not going to do that. Right? I, I'm not going to go out with my friends and, and try to run a, across the busy interstate because they think it might be fun. And I'll just trust that it'll be okay and no cars will hit me. Right. I'm not going to go down to the, the store and, and do some uh, shoplifting because, you know, that would put God to the test. I'm not going to go out and be reckless. I'm not going to go out and, and do crazy financial things. I'm going to do it God's way. And finally, again, I'm not going to bow to the devil. I'm not going to let my knee even touch the floor in Satan's presence because I'm going only to serve the Lord. <clears throat> That's where we want to be, isn't it? 
But dear friends, as I've talked about each of these three areas, perhaps it's come to your mind some sin that you've had in the past. Sometimes when you have put the Lord to the test, perhaps. Sometimes when you thought, I can compromise just that little bit and everything will be fine. Perhaps even a, a time when with your friends in high school, you uh, bowed the knee to Satan because you thought it would give you greater rewards. Indeed, the Bible says that we all have sinned, that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. And dear friends, that is why Jesus came for us, isn't it? No, Jesus looked down from heaven. He saw the terrible condition that we were in. He saw that time and time again we fell into Satan's traps. From the very first time that Eve took the apple to the time that you uh, with your friends made fun of someone who was in a worse situation than you were. And Jesus looked upon all of that and he said within his heart, I need them to be saved. I need them to be able to make it home again. I need them to be able to be what God says. My brothers, my sisters, co-heirs with me in my kingdom. And so Jesus, he came down from heaven knowing that he would be mocked and ridiculed, knowing that he would die a horrific death upon the cross, he came anyway so our sins could be forgiven. So that tiny little compromise you made in private that only the devil knows about, to that huge time when you put the Lord to the test and maybe everybody found out about that one. To the time when you thought if you but bowed the knee this once, it could reap you great rewards and give you your heart's desire. In all of those areas, Jesus died for us. So it could be made right again. So our sins could be forgiven. So that we could be made whole and that we could have a future. So that we could be with God in heaven. You see, dear friends, yes, we all have fallen into Satan's traps at times. But our Lord shows us the way out. Our Lord shows us first how to avoid those traps, but then he shows us, yes, when we've fallen, when we've come up short, he forgives us. His death paid the price. We are his. And he loves us so very much. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.